Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. We've got some incredible men who are a part of my life who are gonna who are gonna join us. So come on up, everybody. We have my dad, Brian Charles Houston. Come and sit down, come and sit down. Sit wherever you like. Uh, my brother, Joel Timothy Houston. <laughs> Uh, my husband, Peter Kaiser Toganavalu. And we're not sure why Ben's here. Actually, okay. So this is the thing. So in our family, we have Brian, Bobby, Joel, Ben, and Laura. And uh, my brother, Ben, obviously is in Hillsong, LA, and couldn't be here. So I was like, let's just find the closest Ben. And we found Ben Fielding. <laughs> who, who, his, his name happens to be Benjamin David, which is the same name as my brother, Benjamin whoa, David. Whoa, yeah. It's a little bit, it's, it's crazy coincidence. He's also joined us randomly for some family dinners, so that's why he qualifies. And I think um, maybe he's been written into the family will. We just need to, <laughs> we need to clear that up at the end. <laughs> I, I want to be in your will. That'd be better. <laughs> Come to an arrangement. So mum and I were, we've been talking over the last couple of weeks and you know, it's her heart always that, that you guys, you incredible women of all ages, from all different backgrounds, all sorts of situations, all kinds of circumstances, would leave a conference like this full of courage and empowered. And, um, and, and so one of the things that she really values is actually putting men of God on this platform who would speak into, into your life as fathers, as, as sons, as brothers. Um, and, and so I just, I actually have a lot of respect for all of you. My dad, you're an incredible dad. I can say that because you are my dad. So from experience, you've been a good dad. So far. So far. And Joel obviously is, you know, an incredible leader um, and voice to our generation. What? I just can't wait to hear what you're about to say. Keep talking. We have some stories. Um, we got lots of time. Let's, do we? Yeah. Okay. So Joel was a horrible brother, basically. So uh, but it turns out he's a great human, uh, somehow. Um, but it's okay, I'm here, I'm healed. It's, it's funny how God will take like, things like his songs that he's written to heal me from the pain that he caused me, honestly. It's just funny how God works like that. It's the grace of God, wow. Um, 
One time he pinned me down onto the ground, put yogurt on my face, and got our golden retriever to lick it off. Got <laughs> He's got nothing. It's fine. I'm, I remember one day, me and my best friend, we were um, <laughs> begging him to take us to the shops before we could drive. So all day Saturday, we're like, Joel, please take us to the shops. Drive us to the shops. Please, please, please. We're waiting all day, asking him hour by hour, please take us to the shops. So he goes, okay, I'm leaving in five minutes. So me and my best friend, we run to our bedroom. We pick up our bag and we just hear his car revving up the driveway without us. And then we're running going, Joel, stop, 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 stop. And we didn't see him for a couple of months after that. That five minutes is relative. It's questionable. Actually, I, I, I love my brother and I think um, <laughs> no, really, I really believe that he has a prophetic word. He always knows what to say and just when to say it. And he's uh, Holy Spirit-led, and I'm the biggest fan. Um, and you're just you're a good guy, an incredible husband to Esther, a great dad. Stop. And a couple of years ago, I went to New York and stayed at your house for a week. And at the end, Joel goes, I think we became really good friends this week. <laughs> Do you remember that? It was really nice. <laughs> Took us 30 okay? years. Like, <laughs> I'm fine. I, uh, yeah, I love you, Laura. You're the best. Thanks. Um, it, was a, it was a strange age difference, seven and a half years. So it's just, you know. Yeah. It, it was annoying. You were annoying. Wow. At See what that I mean? time in my life. Wow. And we could talk about it now and, you know, love each other and stuff. Okay. I love Pete, though. Talk about Pete. Oh, yeah, Pete. <laughs> All right. Peter Kaiser Togunavalu, I met you when you were seven years old. I was six years old. He saw me. I didn't see him until I was about 18. Um, that's a true story. Um, but you are a great friend to me, and you're my husband, the father of my three children now and um, a man of God, an incredible youth pastor, and... Um, and Lola's personalities, possibly, from... Oh, the sweetness and kindness of your heart, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But your looks, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and then Ben, um, welcome. Welcome to the stage. <laughs> I actually don't, I don't think it's random that you're here. You've always struck me as being a gentleman, um, and I just, I look at you and Carolee and the way that you're raising your family, and I just think that you are full of wisdom, and you have so much to offer tonight, so thank you for being a part of our family. It's great to be here, guys. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right, I'm going to get to it, because we don't have much time. I'm going to start with, with Dad, um, and I thought it would be fun to, to start with um, a little bit of background of, of you and Mum. So you guys have been married for... 43 years. 43 years. 19th of February, 1977. Beautiful. Manurewa, South Auckland, New Zealand. <laughs> St. Peter's on the Hill was the church. <laughs> what was the weather? The weather? I can't remember. <laughs> okay. I was just um, looking into your mother's eyes and oh, didn't notice anything smooth. else. Take notes, Peter, take notes. I 100% um, am. 
okay, so I, I noticed this photo posted on Instagram yesterday. It's up here. These are flowers that you gave mum yesterday. Wow, I haven't seen those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking notes. <laughs> Look, I'm at taking my, notes. Look at my long and intense message. Love you, Brian. Love you, Brian. It's simple, I like it's it. It's a thought that counts. Not Thanks. your handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So mom has obviously, she has pioneered this movement of the color sisterhood um, for 25 years. And I thought it would be fun if maybe you could take us back, if you can remember, 25 years ago, when mom is just starting out and she talks really candidly about how she was quite shy and timid and perhaps reluctant. Um, what did that look like for you? in seeing the, the gifting and the calling, perhaps the potential on your wife, on our Bobby, um, what did it look like in encouraging her to step up? The thing about your mum is that uh, she, she, as you know, she's never been hungry for the platform, never tried to build any kind of ministry around herself. Uh, she's an entirely not competitive type person. Unlike Joel or myself. Uh, and so it was not something that she pursued. And I can, I can remember her coming to me, and we had someone else, like a lovely lady, leading like the women's ministry in our church. But I think, amongst other things, from my perspective, uh, Bobby looked at, looked at the potential of the women in our church and just saw a big need. And I think that really it was a call from the Holy Spirit that got her to stand up because you're right, um, uh, she, she, she was fearful of the pulpit and the platform, if anything. Uh, and of course, the kids were all small. And uh, so she, it was something that she just got in her spirit and her heart. The very first one, if my memory is right, we rented just another uh, church. We in those days we used to use a rented building ourselves, and so she rented a church who had a 24/7 uh, building. It was a few hundred people there, but her friend uh, Holly Wagner uh, was her guest speaker, and it just started small. Started really, really small, and I don't think any of us, including her, could imagine that this would be what it is today, and so global, and have such a massive impact on so many people's lives, and so on. Uh, it's been fantastic to watch and to watch her flourish and blossom. Funny thing is, it's still, it's still like uh, the most difficult thing in the world to get her to preach on a Sunday in church. Uh, it's like, oh, I'm not like you, you know, just makes sense. And so uh, it's, it's interesting because obviously God's graced it and so on, but it's never been something she pursued or chased. What would you say to women who are in here tonight and maybe they have a little dream in their heart, maybe there's, there's something that they feel like God is giving them that nudge, maybe they see a gap somewhere in their sphere, uh, but for whatever reason, whether it's insecurity or fear or, or whatever circumstances, they're withholding. What would you say? <laughs> I'm a believer. I'd say go after it. Yeah. Go for that exceeding abundant above anything you could ever ask or think according to his power that works in you, because that's been our story. Uh, I was always a visionary and a dreamer, but I could never have imagined all that God had in store for us. 
And I think that there's no reason why people in this room can't have exactly the same experience just doing what you're called to do in the neck of the woods where you're called to be and uh, be bold and be confident and step into it. And don't forget, great things start small. So don't be afraid of small beginnings. Despise not the day of small beginnings is the way the Old Testament puts it. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, I was thinking about this. My normal, so I am 33 years old now, my gosh, um, and, and I have never known anything else other than women in key leadership roles around me. And I think back to, you know, Darlene with our worship and Donna, who was at one point leading our church and is continuing to do incredible things. And these days you have people like Cass, you know, my mom obviously leading a movement like this. And, you know, as, you know, the, the, the pastor and the leader of, of our church who has created this normal for us, um, has that, was that always intentional or was it just a matter of making the natural choices? What was that like for you? I just look for the best person for the job. Uh, so the first one really was Donna Crouch, who's up there somewhere. Then her name was Donna Quinn. And we needed a youth pastor. And I was looking around, I was actually speaking at a youth conference. And I was looking around, all the various young guys in the room, thinking, I wonder if there's anyone here who could do this role. And I felt just like that. I saw Donna. Uh, she was a young single girl, and I felt like the Holy Spirit put it in my heart. She's your man. And she was a woman. And so she led our youth for many, many years. Uh, and so yeah, I don't think I've ever changed on that. To me, uh, in this area, uh, gender's irrelevant. It's like, who's God called to do it? Who's the best at it? Who's the best for the job? Uh, <laughs> Darlene, of course, you know, pretty well everyone in the room <laughs> probably knows Darlene. And I never even realized when Darlene was thrust forward uh, to lead our worship uh, in circumstances none of us foresaw, uh, we were about to do our first album with Integrity Music in the USA. And so, you know, I had to call them and say, look, Darlene, uh, at the last second, it's going to be the worship lead. I didn't even know that that was a, a thing. But what I found out, it was a great big deal that had never been uh, in all those early years of, you know, worship albums and so on with Integrity Music. There'd never, ever been a woman leader. Well, now it's just so normal and, you know, it's just, it's just the reality. But uh, honestly, I just think that there's many, many, many gifted and wonderful women in, in the world and in the church. And so many gifted and talented people. If they're guys, that's awesome. If they're girls, that's awesome. Uh, just let's not have girls trying to be guys when they're doing what they're called to do. And let's not have guys trying to be girls. Just be yourself. The thing that's worked for Bobby and I always, I think, is uh, exactly that. Like, uh, Bobby has never tried to be my, you know, it's hard to explain, but she, she's never strove for equal say, equal. She's just really been who she is and backed me to be who I am and we do it together. And it's just natural. It's, got, it's, a, it's a natural flow. Uh, I, I feel for the people in our church 
it's not, I think sometimes, you know, senior pastor, people are leading together. It's like, well, are you my leader or are you my leader? And the whole point is if you can get that, you know, that symmetry where you just flow and you're just both being yourselves and that's what you bring to the table, then God graces it and he anoints it. It's so true. And, I, and what I respect about you as well is that you never just make token decisions. You're never going, let's just put a woman in that place because we should, because it looks good. You truly do believe in, in people as individuals, and I think that's incredible as well. I love that. Um, so you are a grandfather. I am. Time's <laughs> over. I wished it was nine, but one of my children has only <laughs> had one child and hasn't really pulled their weight. Poor Joel. But he's a good one. With my, he's uh, a good one. Uh, uh, with the nine grandchildren I always believe for. Actually, because, you know, when you married Peter, uh, you may or may not know, depending where you're from, that the best sevens rugby players in the world are Fijians, uh, Bolivanaka. And so I had a dream when you two got married that I'd have seven Fijian grandsons so I could have my own sevens rugby team. And my first four grandchildren were all women, girls. Yeah. Halfway there. Halfway so now there. it's a ballerina troupe. Or they could girls be. Girls can play rugby too, They Dad. could play rugby. They could. <laughs> I actually have a picture of um, just a couple of months ago when Lola was born and you came straight in and you put your hand upon her and you prayed over her life. And I was just thinking about the fact that your grandchildren, your granddaughters and your grandsons are the future of the church. I did exactly the same for you when Laura was born. Mm. Uh, we got a little girl in those days you didn't know, obviously, until uh, the child came out. Uh, what sex you're going to have. And to be honest, when Laura was first born, the, the midwife said, ah, oh, little boy. Did you know that? She said, ah, oh, little boy, and then within a split second. And I was like, ah, oh, three boys, okay, that's good. Uh, within a split second, she said, no, a little girl. Uh, but first thing I did with you as well is I literally put my hand over your body and really prayed God to protect you and care for you and uh, keep you in every single way. And so it was an absolute honor to be able to do exactly the same for my most recent family member there. And that's what we're doing there. We're praying for her and believing that all of God's best for her will come to pass. And uh, that, you know, that God won't let any evil come upon her. So let's keep believing that. Amen. It's beautiful. And I guess that's what your prayer would be for... All the children of the world. Well, what was the first thing you did with me? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I was pretty elated. Uh, your mum said last night, you obviously weren't here, uh, <laughs> that you were born 24 inches long, 10 pound and half an ounce. And uh, I was absolutely, I remember running for away from St. Margaret's Hospital, literally with a sense of elation that I had a little boy. So just so you know. Uh. <laughs> Perfect segue, Jolie. Let's go, Jolie. So um, you spent majority of your life so far, all of your 20s, just waiting for the right girl. And, <laughs> and I feel like you weren't short of opportunities. Um, there were a lot of weirdos. Uh, <laughs> 
who were questionably a part of our college, uh, perhaps because God had spoken to them and wanted to marry Joel. Um, it, was, it was devastating for the, you know, applications for Hillsong <laughs> College when he got married. Yeah. So a massive drop-off. Yeah. Anyway. Um, now it's others like Aiden and others who uh, have the same attention. Don't tell him that. He might get a big head. Um, so, okay. But then Esther walks into your life and you fall madly in love with her and we all fall madly. Mainly she fell madly in love with me. Yes. It's not true. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work that way. What was the question? That I haven't got to it yet. Um, so here's the thing. She is a strong woman with a strong opinion. And we love Esther just as she is. But I know you and I know you're a strong man with a strong opinion. So my question is, how's marriage? Um, has its highs and lows. Um, no, marriage is awesome. I, Esther just took me by surprise, you know. And... Um, and um, it's really funny, this is not to get weird, but about six months before um, I met, I actually had just met her, but um, some, somebody came up to me and said, it was somebody I respect but didn't know, and they go, look, I've never said this to anybody in my entire life. I've never, this is the first time I've ever done this, but I honestly, and I'm, I've just met this person for the first time, and uh, she says, I had a dream about your wife. And I said, okay, you know, bring it on. She goes, you're in church, and there's this girl, and she's uh, beautiful, but she's not what you expect. And she's, she's wearing um, no shoes, and she has flowers in her hair, and she's wearing a sundress. And I go, well, that's pretty much exactly what I expect. Like, that's kind of the image I had in my mind, some hippie at the time. <laughs> and, um, and so anyway, I just was like, cool, you know. Um, so I'm at church like a week later in New York City and we, we meet in like the dingiest, dirtiest venue at the time, Irving Plaza. I mean, it's just disgusting. And if anybody knows um, Esther, she's a clean freak. Um, and I met up with her and had, um, I was courting her at the time, trying to, to win her over. Although I really just thought she was out of my league and that she just was not the kind of, you know, I just didn't think that that would ever work. Neither did she, so that's why we became friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so expectations were very low to begin with. Um, but we, we just got on, like, we just were friends, and it just, I, it just felt like that was kind of not a thing. And so we went to church afterwards. It was a Sunday night, and it was really hot. It was the middle of summer. And she's standing next to me, and she's, she was wearing, like, really high heels at the time. She's a tall girl. She's, like, 5'10". And so um, I think she felt uncomfortable because we were sitting kind of at the front. She goes, can I take my shoes off? I said, I mean, if you want to, if you want to brave that, you know, for sure, like, take your shoes off, no big deal. I watched her take her shoes off, and then I'm kind of just laughing at her in worship because she's just in bare feet in church. And then I stopped, and I was like, well, hang on. I looked, and she was wearing this dress that had little flowers on it, like a sundress type thing. And then she had this headband that I hadn't noticed at the time that had little tiny flowers around it. And that's when I knew. No, I was just, the whole thing, I, I, I was just like, I was like, whoa. Like, that's because it was not the image I had in my mind, but what are the chances? And, um, and you know, I, I mean, I'd love to tell you the story one day, we will, because it's a crazy story. But, you know, I used to I spent a lot of time just waiting for God, just trusting him. And um, I remember just saying, you know, like, I, I know she's out there somewhere. You know, she's alive. She's out there. Like, God, protect her, you know, like, wherever she is. I pray that you'd 
in the right time you'd figure it out. And I look back now and just God was so faithful, like the timing was perfect. Um, you know, I crashed into her at a time in my life that was, you couldn't, there was no better time before that, no better time afterwards. And, and, um, and I love our relationship, it doesn't look like anybody else's. And I think that's cool. I think it's a bit of a myth that you, you, know, you can look and think, oh, your relationship has to look like everybody else's relationship. But if you get to know people and their relationships, their relationships aren't often what it looks like on the outside anyway. And um, I, so we've just found this kind of place where it works for us. And, you know, I love it. I, I love, I think, in our relationship, you know, like the big thing is, is, um, is like feeling safety, you know. That's a big thing for us and, and a sense of belief. Like safety, just be yourself. That she can be herself. She doesn't have to like be a, the traditional pastor's wife or anything like that or be like mom. Um, and that I can be myself, that I can be okay when I'm walking around in my underwear and my socks, which is a horrible thing. And... and <laughs> Just belief, believing the best in each other, trust, like trust was a big one for her, you know, I think that's what, she could trust me and I, I trusted her and she'd never experienced that before and a sense of release, the fact that she lets me do what I do um, and I'm cool for her to do what she does even when she has opinions that I might not agree with all the time um, and the, lastly, I mean, I think I just like, you know, the sense of being a part of, we have a son and it's just the greatest thing in the world. So that, like, they're the foundations that our relationship's built on and I, I wouldn't change them for anything. And, and yeah, it's pretty fun. We get into some pretty good fights every now and then too, usually about, when I say fights, like she's a strong woman. She bought me a Christmas present. It was a mug and it just said, behind every great man is a, is a woman rolling her eyes. And I, and I said, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me, babe. You, you call me a great man. <laughs> So good. Oh, perspective. I am so glad that you waited for her. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to change gears a little bit. Um, you know, mental illness obviously is a huge thing that impacts all people of both genders, all age groups, everywhere in the world. And um, statistics would tell us, though, that that men, especially uh, suffering from things like depression and anxiety and, um, and pressures and stress. And, and one thing about Joel is that you've been so vulnerable, you know, and, and you've told uh, a part of, of your story. But um, I feel like for women in here who are, who are mothers, who are sisters, who are wives, who are daughters, um, how can they best support the men in their world who may be struggling? Um, well, I mean, uh, for me, I can only speak from my experience. I think um, in those moments, uh, you really, it's a loss of perspective often. And when you can't see something or you're not aware of something, um, you don't know, right? That's the whole point. Um, and so... At the time, I was under a lot of pressure. There was a lot going on. I was doing a lot. I was traveling a lot. Um, it's easy for me to now see and talk about because I, I can pinpoint certain things that I couldn't see at the time. Um, and my wife had been really supportive of that. And I think what had happened is at the same time, I was kind of in a spiral of thinking and, and just um, to a point where I, I found myself quite despondent. So feeling like I wasn't the greatest husband or I wasn't the greatest dad, I was getting pulled in a million directions and I wasn't doing the greatest job um, of helping our team in New York with the church and uh, I wasn't doing the greatest job with United and I felt like I was letting people down all the time and felt like I was letting Esther down all the time and letting Zai down all the time. And so all this thinking 
it actually leads to, for me, like this sense of despondency where suddenly it's like, what's the point anyway? You know, I'm just going to... That's kind of the, the place I got to, which I couldn't see at the time. And um, it actually took S kind of really making it clear to me that I had to uh, wake up. <laughs> Come alive, wake up, um, all that stuff. And, and it, was, it, was, it was kind of, it was hard at the time, but I was just so kind of numb and, I mean, maybe broken, I don't know, I just, I was like, look, whatever, you know? And at that point, it was like a waking up moment. And then, you know, she had so much grace to journey that through. Um, and I think, you know, the, the myth is that, like, the, the guys aren't, like, super emotional, you know? And I think often, like, men are, are equally emotional, just a different kind of emotional. And often what we do in our relationships is we tend to, you know, whether there's certain insecurities or, you know, I think for guys a lot of the tensions are just feeling like they're not good enough um, and that nothing they can ever do is good enough. Um, and so they'll work harder and they'll want to provide more and they'll want to do this and then it's like that's not enough, that's not enough. And if you're not talking about that or if the conversations are one that, you know, men will start projecting from that insecurity, same as women do. Um, and the tensions, then all these peripheral tensions become big things and no one's actually dealing with the real thing, which is just a sense of value. And I think there's so much power. It's the same with what we do with, when we worship. The essence of worship is just placing value on God. It's all a response. It's like, you know, we, we accept breath. It's a gift from God, and we give breath back to God. It's like it's this mutual thing. Or it's the same in a relationship, and I think... For me, I know sometimes I actually just need encouragement, you know, like, um, and that brings the best out of me and belief. And so when we say thank you and when we say sorry, those two very simple words that are at the root of, honestly, our salvation, repentance and thanksgiving, praise, you know, and very, very simple. There's something about the power of those words um, that I think are really, I can talk for myself, but I think for men in our world, you know, like, um, knowing when to speak honestly, but also just champion them, you know, like, so guys have feelings too. Um, and, and, um, and I think, you know, there's tensions, often all the peripheral tensions, like I think for me in my, in my circumstance, once we had this moment where S kind of just shook me out of my sleep and then encouraged me and gave me space and time and believed in me and all those things I said before, at that point, I was able to kind of look at the lay of the land and go, oh my goodness, there's all these things that I've got all entangled in, and it's like, you know, a big knot of hair. And the way you relieve the tensions is you just resolve them one at a time. Just go, I'm going to fix that. That's not important. Make priorities. And then one by one, because she helped me through that process, you know, um, it, it, we found ourselves stronger for it and uh, more in love than ever and just ready for whatever new challenges come, and I'm just really grateful for it. And I don't know if that answers the question, but... Um, <laughs> generosity... Uh, there's a power to it in our relationships. I'd encourage you, women, encourage you women to be like, just, just generous, you know? Um, and I believe by being generous to your husband that, that they will hopefully return that generosity, if that makes sense. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, right, Dad? Anyway, okay. <laughs> Amen. Okay, Pete. Yeah, Pete. Yeah, that's you. Um, hello. Um, so you, um, you grew up with a praying mum in the midst of a turbulent kind of 
family situation. And she was a faith-filled woman of God in your home. And we have a picture of your family. I love your, there they are. How lovely are they? Which one's you? The one uh, on the left the corner. Left. Yeah. yeah. The best. Yeah. And that's your mum there, Vera, yes. who's here tonight. Yeah. And, um, and then also uh, this past Sunday night, there was this really cool moment where we um, were just going, we were, I don't know, prophesying <laughs> over people in, in our Sunday night service. And that's Lee Burns. Um, and out of everybody in the crowd, he looks over and he's looking amongst all the young people and he sees Vera just giving it everything to God, as passionate as the young people she's surrounded by. And um, she's just an incredible, incredible woman. And so what was it like for you uh, in your home, um, having a mum like that, and, and how did that pave the way for your family in the future? I think it was the greatest thing having a praying mum. One of my memories one of the pictures I have of mum every time is, you know, when I finished high school, I uh, started a job, and that job required me to, you know, get up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning, and I always remember walking out my front door, and I just remember always over here to the right, just before you walked out the front door, was uh, our lounge room, and my mum was always in there, Bible open, on her knees, and I could hear her always mumbling prayers, prayers like, I claim the blood of the lamb over my children, over my children. And I think, I say it all the time, but I think it's one of the reasons I'm here today is because I had a mum that prayed. The truth is we came from a family background and I, I, I want to uh, say up front, my dad is an incredible human being, incredible father, incredible grandfather, but there was a season uh, where as a family uh, we went through that journey of my dad battling alcoholism and you can only imagine what that comes with and as I'm sure there's people in this room that have, you know, similar stories. In fact, my dad used to be uh, that dad that would turn up to the games. My brother and Laura's brother, Ben, not this Ben, the real Ben. Uh, <laughs> but, the pretend Ben. Yeah. But Ben, the real Ben, well, they used to play rugby league together. They used to play uh, sport together on the weekend. They used to play. And uh, my dad would turn up to the games and he'd run this uh, barbecue called the three B's. Now, I don't know if I should say what they stand for, but yeah. I used to get invited because <laughs> yeah. you know, my boy used to play. So his dad used to, and you know, some of the fathers used to do this thing, uh, three B's, and they were always trying to get me to come along. And the three B's were booze, boobs, and barbecue. And I'm like, I can't come to that. I can't come to that. Uh, and then they <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty sure I saw you there once. No. <laughs> Um, so he used to invite everyone over, but you know, my dad was flicking through the newspaper one day and he saw a big picture of Brian and, it saw, and he saw Pastor Brian. Now, in Fijian culture, whether you are a, a believer or not, uh, a pastor, a man of God, is kind of like, oh my goodness. And so every time my dad would turn up to games, sporting games, he would always stand on the opposite side of wherever he was standing. <laughs> I, I genuinely thought he didn't like me. I thought he's, he hates me. That's I, right. I would walk up and he'd just walk off. Yeah. <laughs> but he was just full on uh, ashamed. But, you know, in all of it, I just remember my mum 
just being a strength in our family for all our kids. And all four kids have a faith in Jesus uh, because of a mum that prayed. And uh, she, she, she's just an incredible human being. And she's out there somewhere. But, um, and, and it's just something I've always admired uh, in my mum because I can say honestly that all our kids, we're all on our own journey, but we're all planted in the house because of a mum that prayed even when her husband, um, you know, my dad reminds me of Homer Simpson in some ways because you know how Marge would go to church and Homer would stay home and have his own conversations with God? That's kind of what my dad used to do. And, uh, you know, there were times, uh, you know, debates, if you like, arguments in the family where, you know, my mum and dad would argue about going to church and my dad would be like, I'm not going. And my mum would pull out a scripture and start doing it. And I'm like, oh, that's too much. But like, she always made it a priority for her children to be in the house of God and plan it even when I didn't want to go. In fact, I've got home video footage of myself, and I wish we could find this, but I've got home video footage of myself, like, losing it, not wanting to go to church, crying, kicking and screaming, speaking in languages that we can't really talk about in here because I didn't want to go to church. But my mum ensured that I was in church, in the kids' ministry, in the youth ministry, and, uh, yeah, the rest is history. It's awesome. And then the miracle of that story is that, that your dad comes to church one day. He goes down to the altar call and he asks my dad to pray over him. And he got delivered from his alcoholism in that moment. And he's an incredible, incredible man. I remember yeah. that day he got like, you know, Brian was preaching and he got up and he went down the front and all four siblings were like, someone grab him. Like, he's got a hangover, pull him back right now, you know, and... Uh, but yeah, it changed there. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, Ben. We've only got a couple more minutes left. So which, which Ben do you want me to answer? <laughs> the, as? the pretend Ben. No, okay. you're the real cool. Ben. Cool. Um, so, you know, that, that video of Ella is just so, so beautiful. Who's gorgeous? Me. Who's brave? Me. Um, I, I love... I love that, and there's such power in, in that. Um, why is it important for you to speak words, placing value over her, um, her little life? Well, um, you know, I think she's going to grow up in a world where uh, a lot of people um, are going to try to speak to her identity and who she is, um, and I want to get in first. <laughs> and... Uh, and... Uh, you know, I think as a dad, uh, you know, my little girl, she's made in the image of God. Um, I think my job is to help sharpen that image, uh, is to speak and call it out, speak life into it. Um, and same for Carolee, my wife, and uh, my two sons as well. It's the same, it's the same uh, calling as a dad, I think. And, um, and to create the kind of home that's safe and consistent um, but fun and spontaneous where they can all thrive. And, uh, you know, I think that most importantly probably starts with uh, loving, learning how to love my wife well. And I think if I can do that well, then now, you know, we, we create that kind of environment for our kids to, to thrive. Yeah, it's beautiful. There was this photo that Carolee posted on Valentine's Day. There it is up there. And that's your son with a rose for his baby sister. And um, in raising your sons, 
Like what, like is that, I'm, I know that it is an intentional move by you and Cara Lee in raising your sons for the future. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, yeah, well, we want to raise little gentlemen. That's really important to us. And, um, and so one of the things that we started doing when Harps was quite young is getting him to take Carolee on dates. And uh, so I'd give him like a, a small budget, low budget, but we'd give him like a little bit of money and say, go and take mum on a date. And I'd say, buy her a flower or buy her a little gift. And uh, so he would do that. And it was always the ones on sale. So I think I've taught him well. Uh, <laughs> I learned that from my dad. Um, and uh, so he'd buy her a flower. And it's been cool to watch because when he started doing that when he was about five, uh, he would take her McDonald's and, you know, basically the, the $20 budget would be mainly spent on his dinner for the night. Um, but he's gone from, from that now to really taking interest in what Carolee likes. And it's been cool to watch him progress as like a little gentleman and, and discovering, you know, what's going to make his mum happy. And um, I love watching him like open doors and let her go through. And just some of the old, you know, old fashioned chivalry that, you know, it. I think we need to bring back. Absolutely. And I, I just think there's, there's so much importance in raising our sons. And, um, and it's, it's a lovely thing. And we're going to transition now. Um, and so the team can come, come back up and, and join us. And Joel, I just, I feel like, um, you know, one thing that you always do, it's similar, I think, to, to dad. I think you're more similar to dad than, than you realize. Um, is <laughs> I write better songs. No, Manuel, well, that's... <laughs> Well, I'm going to stop. Yeah. Uh, mannerisms, yes. I th see, this is what happened with me. I, I started out like when I was younger, I was much more like dad. Mm. But then I met the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and God changed my life. Jesus transformed my life. <laughs> and I think nowadays I am much, much more like mum. Mm. I, I, no, agree. I, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, I am. I still love you, Dad. Uh, like, we still have the same mannerisms and that. With, you know, so I've always got that, unfortunately. I didn't get Mum's looks. I got your looks, but I got <laughs> Mum's heart. Um, what were you saying? I, no, I was just trying to explain, you know, like, you wow. know, the competitive thing. That when I was a kid, yeah, I was competitive like you, but now I just love people like Mum, you know. To be honest, yeah, he's got, to be honest, he has so much of your mother in him. It's true. The creativity, the prophetic side, um, the softer side, uh, pretty well everything that's good about you is <laughs> what I'm your mum. What you got Thank from you. me was clumsiness, that's the awkwardness. That's said to me as well. It's amazing. Oh yeah. I feel so encouraged. It's, do you know what though? I actually, I actually believe that one of your strongest giftings is that you are empathetic. And that's the reason why you can Right, the way that you do, and 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 all sorts of people lean in, is because you have this incredible gift of of, of putting yourself in others' shoes and riding to that end, and and hearing the voice of God of what of what needs to to be spoken, and um and so I, I do believe that you got that from our mother, but I also believe that you are like that too. Anyway, um, <clears throat> none of you would be here without my sperm. Um, oh my gosh. There it is. On that note, let's worship. That's what it is. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> oh my gosh.
I'm supposed to segue this. Um, so good. So we're transitioning into work. We're going to transition. Yeah, and what I was gonna what I was gonna say is that that you know, like Dad, who can put women in place. I feel like you do that too. That you bring women, people like Taya and Brooke and, and others to the forefront and I think it brings that feminine expression of worship. And that's what I think this is creating room for right now is for our feminine heart to lean in and to dig deep into the presence of God because we can stand here and we can we can hear the father's perspective and the husband's perspective, the son's perspective and so on. And I'm not naive to know that you are from all sorts of situations. But the one thing that we have in common is a beautiful, loving, gracious Father who's waiting for us to dig deep into His presence tonight. And so um, that, that's, that's, I just answered the question. So I feel like we're gonna worship. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.